thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses. Thank you, Lord, that washes white as snow, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses. Thank you, Father God, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses white as snow. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Lord, you are good. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Oh, God, but your blood did so much more than cleanses of our sins, which was the, 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 the ultimate thing we needed. But the blood removed the guilt and the shame that was associated with those sins. Oh, you've given us clean consciences through the blood of Jesus, through the washing of the, of the water of the word of God and the, and the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice at Calvary. Oh, we thank you. There's resurrection power in the blood of Jesus, and it will never lose its power. The blood will never, 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 never lose its power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valleys. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are you thankful for the blood of Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all may be seated this morning. Thank you, Father. Woo! I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you didn't come all the way from heaven to earth to give us a, a lesson, to give us a, a teaching. But, Lord, you came to give us life and that we might have that life more abundantly, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Pharisees were doing all the teachings. Lord, if, if that was enough, then, then the teaching would have been fine, and that would have been enough, and what the Pharisees were doing would have been enough. But Jesus, you came to give life. Thank you, Lord. To make the teaching relevant, you came to give us life. Thank you, Lord. To, to keep the teaching from being condemning, you gave us life. Nobody wants to hear what they should be doing when they know they can't. That just beats you up. It just tears you down. It just makes you feel terrible, unworthy, sorry, guilty. But Jesus said, I've not come to give you a lesson. I came to give you life. Thank you, Lord. The word says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So Jesus said, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he'll use the letter to kill you. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know who you are in him and what you have in him and your authority as a believer, that you've been made a new creation in him, old things passed away and all things become new. Yeah, the devil will kill you with the letter of the law. He'll kill you with the letter of the word because you know that you don't you're not up to par he, because you know that you can't meet the standard. But he said, the thief has come to kill, steal and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. I didn't come to just give you a lesson. A three-point sermon of all the things you need to be doing, should have been doing, could have been doing, but didn't. <laughs> he said, I came to give you life. Now, Jesus isn't going to come and give you life so he can beat you up about everything you're not doing. Why would he do that? I mean, if he wanted me dead, he could have just kept me the way I was. God told Adam, he said, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And Moses told the Israelites... The soul that sins shall surely die. Paul in the book of Romans said, the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. 
Well, how many has ever blown it? Yeah. Like, like since you got up this morning, maybe. <laughs> Death. Yeah. See, how easy it'd be to hell, be a hell and fire uh, brimstone preacher? Yeah. Every one of y'all, sorry, dogs. <laughs> no, Jesus didn't say, I come to kill you. He said, I came that you might have life. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Amen. He didn't come to condemn us. We love John 3, 16. God so loved the world. And I love it. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we stop short at the 16th verse when we should have went on into the 17th verse where it says, and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Praise God. And then over in Corinthians, Paul says, and God has given us this same word of reconciliation. That God sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn the world, but to reconcile the world unto himself. And he has given us this same ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away and all things became new. Skip down to the 21st verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says, and God the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, that that we might be made righteous. Amen. 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 He was made to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made to be the righteousness of God in him. Now, he's not going to be looking to condemn you after doing all that. Jesus would be like, why did I go to the cross? <laughs> he's, God's not stupid. He knows full well the value of the, of the sacrifice that was made for us to be free, for us to be forgiven. He's not now looking for reasons to knock us in the head. To judge us. But thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Amen. See 1 John 1, 9. How many know 1 John 1, 9? How many is really, really acquainted with 1 John 1, 9? You know, like it's like your best friend, you know. <laughs> it's your favorite verse. And when they tell you, when you go in a circle, what's your favorite verse? You'd be like, 1 John 1, 9, my favorite verse. <laughs> you know, I mean, it might be your favorite verse because you might, you, there might be a season in your life where you need that verse, you know. I mean, more often than others. You're always going to need it from one time or another. But some people, more often than others in certain seasons of their life. But whatever season you're in, man, the blood of Jesus is sufficient. Amen. And what does 1 John 1, 9 says? It says, if we confess our sins. Amen. He, what does it say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. It didn't say nothing about you being faithful. If you was faithful, you wouldn't have nothing to confess. So you're not disqualified when you sin. Well, if I didn't sin, I'd qualify for 1 John 1. If you didn't sin, you wouldn't need 1 John 1, 9. Yeah. See how the devil works on our thinking? Yeah. The reason you have mercy is because you need it. Well, if I could just get to living right, I'd have the mercy I need. No, if you ever was perfect, you wouldn't need it. You'd be doing just fine on your own. And how many know you can't do it on your own? In fact, it's an insult to God for you to try after the price that was paid. Don't you think that if there was any other way for God to redeem you and I, that he would have done it other than sacrificing his only begotten son, whom he uh, beloves, you know? And is well pleased in. I mean, don't you think if there was another way, God would have known about it? But here we are trying to make our own way. 
trying to prove to God how worthy we are of his affection, of his favor, of his love. Man, he says, it's a stink in my nostrils. Quit it. You can't. You can't. Amen. Without him, we are nothing, the Apostle Paul taught. Amen. Without him, the Apostle Paul, we can, the Apostle Paul taught, we can do nothing. Amen. We are nothing. We can do nothing without him. We love to talk about what we can do in Christ. I can do all things. Yeah, but what about without him? That's the basis of your faith is you understand that, yes, I can do all things through Christ, but without him, I can't do anything. So if you want to please God, you'll have to lay down your own self-efforts. Self See, you, you, you feel good about yourself because you went for a whole week without cussing. Yeah, I'm getting it together. Glory to God. I'm the, I am it, boy. I mean, man, I, woo. And then all of a sudden somebody cuts out in front of you on the road. <laughs> well, you blank at the blank. And then what do you think the devil, where he's at? He's right there in your face. Yeah. And, but you know, he was the one who was telling you, boy, you are something else. A whole week. Robert, <laughs> a whole week. Boy, you are a humdinger of a righteous dude, man. Well, yeah, I think I am, man. I praise the Lord. See, he'll, if the devil can't get out in front of you and stop you, he'll get behind you and push you. See, so, so here he is on this side. Boy, you are something else, aren't you, boy? And you, and you See, but what Robert should have done and does do, that's the only reason why I use him as an example. We hope he does. I, don't, I assume he does. The Bible says believe the best, so that's, where I'm go, that's what I'm doing. You know? No, I know him. But, uh, you know, what Robert in that situation should do is, is say, shut up, devil. Like you recognize the devil. You recognize the devil. And you say, no, you don't, devil. The only reason why I'm able, able to go a minute without yielding to the worst of sins is because of the blood of Jesus. I know I can't do anything without him. But see, the devil will try to slip in pride on you. Boy, aren't you something else, man? You've been going a whole month now. You really got it going on. I bet your prayers will really work now, you know. <laughs> God probably hears you so much better now that you're so much per more perfect. Yeah, so you feel real good. You feel real confident, you know. But then all of a sudden, somebody, like I said, cuts in front of you on the, on the highway and wants to slow down two miles below the speed limit, you know. After they pass you. Don't get me on this, like, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> you, we all travel this 84 too much, don't we, y'all? Um, and so, um, but, but anyway, so, so then it's like, oh, you black and they're black. Oh! I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room. I'm thinking, I'm just talking about those ones you're thinking about, okay? Don't look around at nobody either, you know? Miss Red, don't be looking at Brother Ricky. Don't be looking. <laughs> so, um, you know, now all of a sudden the devil's going to come and he's going to say, you sorry dog. And he was the one who was, who was getting you all built up and patting you on the back. Now he's like, you sorry dog. You blew it now. You was on the verge of a breakthrough in your finances. And look at you sorry carnal fleshly thing you who do you think you are see the problem was is you thought you was a humdinger but you was no humdinger well I say it like that because there was a lady that actually prophesied one time and she said thou thinkest thou art a humdinger but thou art not no humdinger 
it might have been from the Lord. I don't know. She was just country, you know. But <laughs> but thou artist no not no humdinger. <laughs> and so so the devil says, Who do you think you are? Oh, I know I'm no good. I'm not well see here's the next time the devil says, Who do you think you are? You say, I don't think I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In him, I can do all things. I, in him, I am more than a conqueror. In him, I am righteous. I am pure. I am holy and I am clean. And right now, I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, over my flesh, over my, my unrenewed mind. And I confess that sin to you, Father. And you're faithful. Yeah. Say, he's faithful. Yeah. It's not about our faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness. Okay. He's the one who's faithful. What does he faithful do? It says two things. He's not just faithful. He's faithful and just. Say just. I want to help you with this. I wasn't planning on going into this this morning, but two things that guarantee your forgiveness when you, when you bring your sins to God. Number one, he's faithful. What is he faithful to? He's faithful to his word that said, if you do this, I will do that. And not only is he faithful, but what else is he? He's just. So he's not just faithful to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all, all unrighteousness. I got two things going for me that I know that, that God cannot lie now. Number one, he's faithful. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. If, if, um, you know, if God said it, I believe it. And that settles it in my life. Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it and shall he not make it good? Has he not spoken it, the prophet said, and shall he not bring it to pass? So he's faithful. We got that going for us. Number two, not only is he faithful, but he's also just. Now this is legal terminology. This is not just a good friend that says, you know, you've got my word, which we do have that from God. And he's better than the word of any friend because he's infallible, right? He, he has no circumstances preventing him at times from uh, fulfilling his word like our friends with the best intentions may not be able to because of circumstances, right? But God, not only is he faithful like a friend, but he's also just. This is legal terminology. Um, you know, a friend's not obligated by law to keep their word, but God is obligated by his own law to keep his word. He's not only faithful, to keep his word, but he's just to keep his word. So what that means is that when you meet the criteria, when you do what the word says, confess your sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Number one, he's faithful. And number two, he's just. That means this. That if you do what God says, when you sin, when you blow it, when you miss the mark, what, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to confess that sin to him. Do you have to confess it to me? No. Do you have to confess it and kiss the Pope ring? No, you do not. Now, if you need some help and counseling, you, by all means, please come talk to me in confidence and maybe I can help you work some things out and sort things out. Kathy can do the same thing, you know, but you don't need to come to us to get your forgiveness. We can help you, but only God can forgive you. And that's between you and him. So he's faithful to forgive us, number one. Number two, he's just. What that means is this, that when you bring your sins to God, and you're not sorry because you got caught, you're sorry because your heart is convicting you. David said, my heart smote me. Have you ever had your heart smite you? 
You're not sorry you got caught. You're sorry because you grieved the heart of God. You know, so you come to God with the right heart, with the right motive, and you confess your sin to him. Not only is he faithful, but number two, he's also just. And what that means is this. I'm trying my best to get it to you, but he keeps having me rewind, uh, filling in gaps for people. But because this excludes nobody. Everybody's involved with this and is included in this. Amen. And so what it means for God to not only be faithful to forgive you, but to be just to forgive you means just exactly this, that if you do what you're supposed to do and confess your sin to God and he chooses not to forgive you, that makes him unjust. So he, listen to this, if you do what you're supposed to do and confess your sin to God and he chooses not to forgive you, he has more to lose than you do. If God doesn't do what he says, he's lost his integrity. He's lost the very right to sit upon the throne that he owns. If his word's no good, then everything that he's built his Godhead on collapses. So we think, oh my God, I really blew it. How could God ever forgive me? No, you need a revelation of who God is and the integrity of God. And base, you're receiving your forgiveness based on his integrity as God, not the severity of your failure, of your fault. Does that make sense? Because I'll, I'll throw in another thing for you, is that you're never going to be able to make a bigger mess than the grace of God can't clean up. Yeah. I mean, you just, you, 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 you can even try and you just can't. Yeah. Because you're never going to commit a sin after all the sacrifice that Jesus went through and the plan of God from before the foundations of the world for Jesus to be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, he's got this thing all worked out, so he supposed. But here you come along, 2,000 years after Christ, and doop a doop a doop and then you commit this sin, and God's like, what? And all the angels are like, what? We never saw this coming. And then everybody looks at Jesus. He, I ain't going back down there anymore. No <laughs> I already did my part. So, so you're never going to make God say, oops. Yeah. So if we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, it's because we've been basing God's ability to forgive us on our performance to begin with. Well, I've been doing good, so that's why he's been able to forgive me on these little minor infractions. Listen, there is no minor infractions. The Bible says in Samuel that even uh, the sin of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. And there is no such thing as 99.9% righteous. 99.9% righteous, self-righteousness, is 100% unrighteousness. So no matter how big the infraction is or how minor the infraction is, you confess that sin to him. It didn't say, oh, except for those bigger ones. Yeah. We're going to have to have a heavenly corporate board meeting over some of those things you've been doing. But for the rest of these little things, you know, you just confess it. No, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse of, uh, of our sins and cleanse us of all, un all unrighteousness. You say, Pastor Joy, what about the sins I commit that I didn't even know I committed? Because here's the other thing is we think we're humdingers. Yeah. 
But the only reason why we even know what was wrong with our life is because the Holy Spirit shed light on that area of our lives because he knew we were mature enough to now overcome that. I remember I used to pray, Lord, if there's anything wrong with me, if. Now, I had a right heart, but it was an ignorant heart. You know, it's like Brother Hagin said, bless your darling heart and stupid head. (laughs) Amen. And so, but God doesn't bless us according to our heart. See, people say God knows my heart, but God doesn't bless you according to your heart. God blesses you according to knowledge. He blesses you according to knowledge. It didn't say my people perish, or rather it does say my people perish for a lack of knowledge. It didn't say I'll keep them from perishing because of their wonderful hearts. There's a lot of good-hearted people that are ignorant and they're perishing. It's not judgment. They're just not walking in their authority. They're not walking in their privileges and rights in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, so somebody might ask, well, Pastor Joey, what, what, what about those sins I'm committing that I don't even know I'm committing? How is God going to forgive those? Well, I just read it to you, my goodness. He said, <laughs> look, uh, why you ask such a thing? No, First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that's the ones you know about. You can't confess what you don't know. But here's the sin conscious way of praying, and I was guilty of this. Because how many want to please God? I want to please God. When I first started serving God, and even really before I really served God, I knew God. I knew about God. And, and I just wanted to make sure that no stone was unturned. You know, so every night I'd say, Lord, if I've committed any sin today, please forgive me. And I just thought, boy, it's like a fresh coat of paint, you know, just like, just take care of it every day. It don't, you know, just take care of that, you know, whatever it was, whatever it was. But did you know that in Christ Jesus, that that is a sin conscious prayer? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe. You can't ever enter into the presence of God with an if on your lips and call it believing. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the scripture also teaches, says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. James says, for he that wavers is like the, the, the waves of the sea, tossed to and fro. So, so you gotta ask in faith. So saying, if I did something, you can't have faith that he's forgiven you over something you don't even know you've done. God's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. Knowledge. God doesn't bless our darling hearts. You might bless somebody's darling heart, but God doesn't bless darling hearts. God blesses us according to our faith. Amen. Now, let's finish this. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, I can only confess what I know. I cannot confess a a, a sin that is nonspecific. I can't confess sin in general. God, forgive me for whatever I did today wrong. I'm sure I did something, so I'm asking that you forgive me. That's unconscious, and that's a sin-conscious prayer, rather. And if the devil can keep you in a sin-consciousness, he can keep you from having confidence towards God for anything else. And so many Christians live their entire Christianities. I hope I didn't do anything wrong today. God, if I did something wrong today, please forgive me. The person with that mentality will never be able to boldly enter into the throne room to obtain the grace and the mercy that they need in the time of need that they have. 
they'll never be able to do it. It's not because God's not letting them in. Their own guilty conscience will not allow them to come in with faith. The only sin you can confess. Now here's where you have to trust in the Holy Spirit to be able to do his job better than we can do it. And listen, whose job is it to convict? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit has been sent to, to convict of sin. Amen. Of righteousness and of judgment. All right, so conviction of sin and the Holy Spirit bringing light on sin or weakness in my area, uh, uh, of an area in my life that needs attention, that needs growth, um, that needs redirecting. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who sheds light on those areas of my life. He's the one who sheds, and, and he, he's the one who will shed light in the areas of your life of those things. And so if the Holy Spirit is not shedding light on sin in your life, then you go ahead and just live like you are a humdinger in him. You are a humdinger in him. <laughs> Say in him. in him. I'm a humdinger. <laughs> you are. Amen. You, 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 I just got to let that sit a while because some of y'all just are choking on that, man. You're just like, oh, I ain't no humdinger. You are a humdinger in Jesus. I'm not talking about in you. We all know that. And you don't have to tell us. We're talking about in him. See, God makes you so brand new in Christ that he literally has to reintroduce you to your new self. Because you don't know who you are when you get born again. You still think you're that old person. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away and all things, all things, all things became new. So God has made you such a new creature in Christ that he had to reintroduce you to your own self once you were born again. And how does he do that? Through the teaching of the word of God. Not, the forsa not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the manner of some is. You know, I never met a some is that knew who they was is. They're all like, oh, God, if I committed any sin, please let me know about it so I can, you know, get things right and get my heart right. And don't go to hell. You're th if you're thinking about that every day, you're not living in victory. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you and I of sin. And if he's not saying nothing to you, then you just go on living like who you are in Christ. Well, praise God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that he just is not dealing with you about that right now. And when it's time, he will deal with me about it. But back to my prayer. Darling heart, stupid head. If, I, if I'm doing anything wrong, please show me, Lord, so I can get it right. I'm so glad he didn't answer my prayer. If God would have showed me everything that was wrong with me back then, even now. But back then, if God was to show me everything that was wrong with me and answered my prayer, I would have backslidden into an oblivion out of depression. Because I knew that I was too messed up to fix it myself. So what does he do? He shows us when we're ready. What do religious people do? They think if they see something, well, they're supposed to tell you about it right now. That's it. That's a See, oh, they threw that woman down at the feet of Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. And boy, they thought they was humdingers. Until Jesus said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. They knew in themselves, I am no humdinger. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, thou artest not a humdinger. So they all cast their stones away and, and, and walked away. You know, but here's the thing is, is that those self-righteous Pharisees, what they didn't know is that the, the place she was at in her life, she may have been more pleasing. You, you're not, some of y'all aren't going to like what I'm about to say, <laughs> but, it, but I'm going to slap the religion out of you is what I'm going to do. 
those religious people don't know it and they still don't know it. But where that woman was in her walk with God, she may have been more pleasing to God than they were. And no doubt she was. They're the ones got rebuked. She's the one got loved on. Amen. Brother Hagin always said this, that God will always judge the sins of the heart quicker than he will judge the sins of the flesh. And what that woman suffered was just weakness. She's, she hadn't grown. She, she's in bondage. She's in chains. People, a lot of people in sin, uh, they're not doing it because they want to. They're, they're bound to it. They hate themselves for it. They know they're destroying their families. They know they're destroying their bodies. They know they're destroying their destinies. They hate it. They know they're displeasing to God, but they're bound in chains. Then some religious person comes along and wants to point out some sin they're doing that they're not doing, and they think that they're better. Brother Hagin also said this, blowing out someone else's candle never made your shine any brighter. So I want to free you from religious bondage and junk from religious self-righteous people. Amen. We all know God hates unrighteousness. But let me tell you, one thing he hates more than unrighteousness is self-righteousness. That's the reason why he nearly cursed self-righteous people. You brood of vipers. He said, you're a beautiful white, whited sepulcher on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bone. He said, you are of your father, the devil. I mean, man, he let them have it. Jesus blasted the self-righteous people. But the unrighteous people who just were bound in sin, I mean, he loved on them. He said, neither do I uh, condemn you. Where are your accusers? She said, there are none, my Lord, because she knew good and well he wasn't one of them. He said, he said, neither do I condemn you. And without them being there, without those religious Pharisees being there, and without answering the Pharisees' questions or speaking to her on the platform they built, after they're gone, then he says, go and sin no more. But he wasn't about to say that to her on their platform. You know, Joel Osteen caught a lot of flack because when he was on Larry King Live, he didn't say it just right. But he's not wanting to answer Larry King's question. And... Larry King's not stupid. He knows that he's setting him up just like the Pharisees tried to set Jesus up. And Jesus didn't feel like he needed to answer the the Pharisees, you know, that were trying to corner him, that were trying to trap him and catch him in in his answers. You know, so, man, my heart really went out for Joel Osteen, man. It's like, oh, my God, you know, I was like, help him. And then you get all these preachers all suited up in ties. You know, I can say it. Jesus is the only way. Well, you a humdinger, aren't you? And they got like 20 people following them on Facebook. (laughs) Making all them 20 people proud. Some of them followed you just because they was being nice. (laughs) But Joel Osteen has the largest church in America, and he has a reach to different peoples and different groups that, that I don't have, that I can't reach, and he knows if I answer this question the way Larry King wants me to answer it, I'm going to lose my ministry to these people that God has sent me to. So he's caught in a, in, a, in a trap, see? And he just started pastoring. You know the guy never even preached a message the day before his daddy died? He never preached. He was content and happy serving in the sound booth. But the call of God was always on his life, and that mantle fell on him after his daddy passed away, John Osteen, and preached his first sermon after his daddy died. He was thinking like, well, who can take my daddy's position? He, and it was like the Lord told him, he's like, you're going to take your daddy's position. He wasn't even trying to get it. 
But he's definitely anointed, definitely called of God. But he's somebody who understands who he's called to. And he's not so insecure that he feels like he has to answer his critics. See, if you are an insecure minister or even an insecure believer, you will lose the audience God has given you because you're wasting your time trying to answer fools. And it don't matter how well you answer them, you're not going to convince them. But what you're going to do is lose your audience. You're going to lose those that God's called you to. You see, so, so Jesus did tell the woman what she needed to hear, but not on the platform that the Pharisees provided. And at Family Harvest Church, that's what I purpose to do. That's what I want us to purpose to do, is that we're never ministering condemnation to people. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Some people only know truth. And a person who is heavy on truth but has no understanding of grace will be legalistic. They're going to be condemning. You're always going to leave their presence feeling guilty, shamed, like you don't meet up to the standards you're supposed to meet up to and God is mad at you. That's a person who leans heavily on the truth side. But then you got people who are heavy on the what side? On the grace side. And it's like, oh, you can do what you want to do. God's going to bless you no matter what. He's not even looking at your sins. He, you, he's just going to bless you just because he loves you. He's going to bless your socks off. You can just do whatever you want to do. That's the grace side. And we know that's not right either, right? But Jesus, he's our prime example. And uh, we see here, um, it says, and the word was made flesh in John chapter one, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full, 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 full. He never would run out. It wasn't like he forgave the first 10 people in that 11th one. Boy, he let him have it because he's empty now. Like, you know, if you would have got here sooner. No, he is always full. He was the kind of guy that when he'd see his tank at three quarters, it's, like, it's time to pull over and fill up. He didn't wait till it got all the way down and fill it. He was full. Every time you saw Jesus, man, that's how I want to live my life. I want to live full. Always ready to minister. Always ready to be a blessing. Always ready to give a word of encouragement, a word in season to help people. Amen. He was full of grace and truth. So now back to John chapter 8. Just a few chapters over, John chapter 8, we see in this story where Jesus demonstrates both grace and truth. Say grace and truth. All right, because we we can't just have one or the other. We got to be full of both. If you're you're more full of one than you are the other, you're going to present an imbalanced truth. A lot of what you say is not so much what you say, it's how you say it. It's the spirit in which you say it. Amen. Now a person with a sin and guilty conscience is going to hear it the worst possible way no matter how you say it. But you can make sure you're saying it right. And so in John chapter 8, Jesus uh, told this woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers after they left? And she said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Now, what do you think that was a demonstration of, grace or truth? Neither do I condemn you. That was, that was a demonstration. Well, you could say both, but that was more a demonstration of the grace of God. I'm, 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 I'm letting this go. 
neither do I condemn you. He could, and he would be within the, the legal rights for this woman to be stoned. He said, neither do I condemn you. That's grace. But then he said, go and sin no more. So you have the perfect blend of grace and truth. Neither do I condemn you, there's your grace. Go and sin no more, that's the truth. Amen. Now, a legalistic person would have said, well, you sure enough right, I'm gonna condemn you, you sinner you. You better not ever do that again. But then a person who's heavy on the grace is gonna say, you just keep doing what you've been doing, honey. You, you're gonna get all what's coming to you from God, all the blessings, all the promises. But see, Jesus didn't do that. He brought both, didn't he? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The perfect uh, blend of grace and truth right there. Amen. And so, back to 1 John 1, 9. That seems to be what God is on all this over here. But 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful, number one, and number two, he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Okay, so not only is he faithful, I think we got a handle on that. God is faithful, he's gonna do what he said. But I think what really will help us, see we know God's faithful, but then if, if the awareness of our guilt outweighs our knowledge of his faithfulness, that'll defeat us. I said if the awareness of our guilt outweighs our knowledge of his faithfulness, that alone can sink us. Does that make sense? But you not only need to have a revelation that God is faithful, but if you could also get a grip on the revelation that not only is he faithful, but he's what? He's just. This is a legal matter. God doesn't even have to wanna forgive you now, but if you do what you're supposed to do, he has to. I'm gonna just say it some ways just the way it'll get to you, man. I'm not saying he don't want to either. I'm just saying, I'm trying to knock the lies of the devil out of your head that says, well, yeah, I know, but I've really blown it this time. No, we're, we're not talking about your integrity anymore. When it comes to God forgiving you, it's not about your integrity. It's about his integrity. He didn't say, I'll forgive you because you're faithful and you're just. He said, I'll forgive you because I'm faithful and I'll forgive you because I'm just. Glory to God. God has more to lose by not keeping his word than you and I have to lose if he chooses not to keep it one day. What would we do if God just changed his mind? I don't know, but he'd be in a bigger spot than we would because he's built everything he's done on uh, being God on what he says and what he's promised. If God ever, ever, ever did opposite of what he said he's going to do, or changed his mind in any way, shape, or form, then he has just permanently destroyed mankind's ability to ever believe another word he says. God's integrity, if you, do you know what integrity is? The reason why integrity is so important is because it's hard to get it back if you ever lose it, and, and likely won't get it all back. It's tough enough for people to believe what God says. And he's never lied. But we'll put more faith in a person who lies all the time than we do God who's never lied. And we say, I wonder if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. <laughs> you know, 
and old crooked tooth is promising you he's going to repay you back that $50 he owes you. And you're like, whoo, I'm so glad he said he's going to pay me back. <laughs> I don't know why I call him crooked tooth. I just <laughs> crooked, that's for sure. Crooked is what I was getting at. You know, he might have straight teeth, but he's crooked. So, uh, <laughs> everybody just keep your mouth shut over here, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I was trying to think of a much better, you know, illustration, but I couldn't. Anyways, um, <laughs> Slick Rick or something, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> not this Slick Rick over here. <laughs> I need a drink of water. My goodness, what are y'all doing to me? Now, if this Rick tells you something, you can bank on it. But, you know, we put our confidence in people who we know lie, who we know are fallible. But then God says something, and he's never, 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 never lied. And we're like, I wonder if he's going to come through this time. (laughs) But anyways, just in closing, 1 John 1, 9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I was talking about the sins you know and the sins you don't know about. What about the sins I'm committing I don't know about? All right, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, I can only confess a sin that I'm aware of. I cannot confess a sin I did not know I committed, even if I did. I can't confess it until I know I did it, right? And you don't live your life under guilt and shame and condemnation and a sin and guilt conscious of, oh God, if I did something wrong today, please forgive me. You know, we don't live like that because you can never come boldly or confident to the presence of God, the throne of God, and expect to receive from him, right? Do we got that? All right, so I can only confess a sin that I know I committed. What about the ones I've committed I don't know? I'm glad you asked. If we confess our sins, the ones we know about, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our, those sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The ones you knew about and the ones you didn't know about. I didn't even have to confess the ones I didn't know about. When I took care of the ones I did know about, the blood was sufficient to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Glory to God. A couple of y'all are getting this. You ever wonder why I repeat things? I'm not wanting the bus to leave and leave some of y'all out there on the bench. Amen. I want to see it in the whites of your eyes that you're getting this, man. Because I'm not going to be judged by how well I preach, but how much I got it across to you. I want you to get this stuff. We represent Family Harvest Church. We represent the kingdom of God here in Post, Texas. And it's not just ministry that takes place here on hopefully they'll come here Sunday morning. Hopefully they'll come here Sunday night or Wednesday night. No, we got to take this to the workplaces. We got to take this to our schools. We got to take this to the grocery stores. We got to take this to the streets. We got to represent the Jesus that we know him to be. We are under obligation. We are under obligation to present Jesus in the measure that we know him to be and nothing less. Every man has a right to hear the gospel in the same measure that we've received it. We have the obligation for every man to hear the gospel in the same measure that we heard it in. Amen. Listen, I know he'll forgive us of our sins. I know that Jesus has made a way for us to go to heaven, but here's what else I know. He wants you rich. Here's what else I know. He wants you healed. He wants you living in victory. 
He wants you taking dominion in life. Amen. More than conquerors. Always triumphant. I'm under obligation to give the gospel in the same measure in which I've received it. Here's something else I know, that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Yes, it's necessary. Not for salvation, it's necessary for an abundant life. You can die and go to heaven and never be filled with the Holy Ghost, never receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're talking about walking in God's greater blessings is what I'm talking about. Amen. And if the blood of Jesus has provided it, then who am I to say I don't need it? It's not necessary. Even if I don't think I need it, I'm going to take it to honor the blood, the price that was paid to get it for me. Besides, then you realize it ain't all about me. God don't want me rich just so I could have things. He wants me rich so I could be a blessing to others. Like he blessed Abraham. I blessed you so that you in turn could be a blessing. Amen. People say, well, I don't need that. Well, isn't that humble, you humdinger? <laughs> it ain't about you and your four, you know, and no more. You and Sally Sue and whatever, you know. It's about reaching the world with the gospel, amen? amen. We are under obligation to give the gospel to others in the same measure that we've received it. Yeah. Amen. So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the sins we knew about and the ones we didn't know about. Aren't you happy about that? Amen. Now, you might not have sins you need to confess today. You know, maybe you do before God. But here's what you need to know is that you're probably going to do it again one of these days. You don't have to, but you're just probably going to. (laughs) I'm not speaking that over you. I'm just, it's just the truth. You're going to set yourself up for a fall if you think, boy, I got this whoop now. I'm a humdinger. Then you're trusting in your own self-works now. You know, but what this can do to help you, if you haven't sinned yet today or yesterday, you got all your sins under the blood, you need to understand that, that you got two things going for you, God's faithfulness and God is just. He's faithful and number two, he is just. Amen. So God has more to lose by not forgiving you when you've done what you're supposed to do than he has to lose if he doesn't do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? 